In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, this episode of Punt and Pass is presented by Prize Picks. Hey, are you tired of the grind trying to win daily on Salary Cap Daily Fantasy? Spending so much time trying to set the perfect lineup only to fall short of winning big? Well, our friends at Prize Picks have created the most simple and fast daily fantasy game. All you have to do is choose over or under correctly on a player's fantasy point projections to win. No competing against thousands of pros while trying to meet a salary cap. With Prize Picks, it's just you versus the projections. They're also the first DFS site to allow you to make cross sport entries. So you can go under on Gurley while taking Ronald Acuna on the over. Prize Picks really is daily fantasy. Simplified. Here's the offer that they are giving to punt and pass listeners. Go to myprizepicks.com or download the Prize Picks app on your Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Use the promo code PNP. That's the letter P, the letter N, and the letter P, and you will get a free two pick entry to win $25, and they will match your first deposit. 25%. So if you deposit $1,000, you'll get $250 in promo money, and they'll max you out at $1,000 in promo money when you deposit $4,000. Again, download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP for that free two pick entry to win $25 and 25% first deposit instant match. Prize Picks presents you. This episode of Punt and Pass, and follow them on social media at Prize Picks. Follow us on social media at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray Eleven, and I am at Drew Butler Thirteen. When you follow us on social media, Christina, our intern, is giving away a signed football right now on our social media. So go visit, follow her directions, and you could win. So let's jump right into it, Aaron. Week three is on the dock. It is a bit of a snoozer in terms of what games are on the schedule this weekend, but we have no shortage of storylines based off of Monday's podcast. Everybody knows that you love Joe Burrow and you love the LSU Tigers. What's not to love through week two? And then also Jeremy Pruitt, Titanic comments. Fine bomb. Gave you an apology yesterday, which was awesome. He said, you're right. He's wrong. Got to feel good about that, my man. What's going on? Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it good. <laughs> we'll, we'll break down the games later. It is a little bit of a snoozer. There's some good ones. Actually, the game I'm covering, I'm kind of juiced. I've, I've been lucky. My first two games have been fun. And then I have Maryland at Temple. So for those looking for yes. a game saying, oh, it's a snoozer this week, that's two good offenses. Uh, there should be some decent defense. I think Temple's defense is pretty good. But a lot of points that over under I'm liking the over on that one. I'm, yes. I'm not sure if that's gonna be my lock of the week or not, but both offenses have a lot of star power. So it should be, there's some good ones, some interesting ones, but I think there's a lot of meaningful games for 
certain head coaches yes. uh, in all the conferences. So I'll be tuning in to watch them all. Absolutely. And today we also have a very special guest. One of the better games this weekend is number one Clemson going to Syracuse to play in the Carrier Dome. And the guy who's calling that game, legendary broadcaster Sean McDonough from ESPN, is joining us here in a couple of minutes on the Punt and Pass podcast. He is receiving a huge award for a Syracuse alumni. He also called that Clemson-Texas A&M game last weekend. So we'll chat with him get some good stories, get some good juice on what is to come this weekend. I have a question for you because now everybody's talking about LSU, Alabama. LSU has an offense. What's going to happen down the road, more specifically in the college football playoff? Here's a scenario for you. And tell me if this is true. And I know I'm getting way ahead of the skis here. What if George is 12-0? What if Alabama beats LSU and they're 12-0 in the SEC championship game? And that LSU-Alabama game is close, but LSU takes the L, and they're 11-1 and on the outside looking in, and then Clemson goes 12-0 and and wins the ACC championship. If that SEC championship game is close, Georgia-Alabama, no matter who wins, if it's close, I think legitimately, if these three teams keep it up the way they have shown through two weeks, three SEC teams could make the college football playoffs. Your thoughts? No. What? Um, I, I, I do think two have a legitimate chance. I think LSU, if they make that game close or say, hey, listen, the way LSU is playing right now, I, I wouldn't put it past them that they could go into Tuscaloosa and win that game. So I think the loser of that, if it's a close game and they go 11 and one, they have a shot. But I mean, you need so much to happen. I mean, look at the look at the Big Ten right now. It, yes. It's kind of Ohio State, I think, after two weeks is looking like the dominant team. And, and, and sure, they can falter. I mean, they fell last year. Could have lost another one last year as well to Maryland if, if not for a, a missed two-point opportunity. So if they fall to one loss or maybe two, then that obviously helps. And then obviously you have to then look at Oklahoma. And Oklahoma needs to lose a couple games. I think Texas needs to actually play well this season to make that LSU win look even better. So I just think there's a lot of scenarios because I think one spot's locked up. I think we both agree that Clemson is in. For sure. So that's one in. They're just I, not going to lose. No, they're not going to lose. I don't. I don't see a Pac-12 team going undefeated this year. So I think that conference, you could say, two SEC teams deserve to go over a Pac-12 team. Uh, but I think it's going to have to deal with with Ohio State because I don't see Michigan. Yeah. They just Michigan to, to me right now uh, has been underwhelming these first two weeks of the season. So I think it, it kind of all lies on Ohio State to go undefeated, and I do think they can. I think defensively, they've shown that they've made in huge strides from last season. Offensively. Uh, Fields looks at, like the number one recruit in the country from two years ago. He really does. So uh, a lot has to happen in order for three teams. But I do think at the end of the day that w- without a lot of craziness with, other, with, with the other conferences, I do think two teams can get in, whether it's Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, or even Alabama, LSU, both getting in. So two teams from the same division, much less the same conference, you feel like could get in with the necessary help. Well, it, it would have to be, I mean, if we're both picking Georgia to win the East, uh, and I think a lot of people are assuming that right now based on what we've seen, it would have to be Georgia would have to fall at some point this season. Say yeah. Georgia falls to Auburn late in the year, uh, and this is 11-1 Georgia going in, and they lose to Alabama, so they're 11-2, they're out. I would put in an LSU team that's 11 and one with a, but it has to be a close loss. I think we, we both agree. They can't go out there and have a complete goose egg like last year in Baton Rouge where they lost 27 to nothing for sure. They have to make the game competitive. It has to be a four quarter football game. Uh, and almost come down to the last drive to, to determine who the winner is. Yeah, no question. A lot of people would also circle that Texas A&M game with the Aggies coming to Athens late in the season, but the injury bug already starting to sneak up. The Aggies lose running back Jay Sean Corbin for the rest of the year with a hamstring injury. You saw Kellen Mond get knocked up and hobbling around against Clemson. Georgia really dealing with their own injuries. I mean, Kyrus Jackson broke his hand. He's in a club. Isaiah Wilson, he's in a boot, doesn't know when he's going to be back. These teams got to get healthy, and they have to stay healthy. If you remember when Georgia made it to the national championship game in 2017, look, you get lucky, and you have limited injuries, and guys continue to play, and those teams gel. So hopefully, hopefully teams stay healthy, and they can fight their way to an SEC championship and a college football playoff berth. Fun to talk about it. So much more football ahead of us. I think we can all agree Clemson's going to go 12-0, though. How about Monday? 
Jeremy Pruitt, after starting 0-2 as Tennessee's head coach in his second year, was speaking with the Knoxville Quarterback Club. I think it was a Knoxville Quarterback Club. And he references the Titanic. Says that movie came out when he was in high school. And he's mentioning when the ship is sinking and mice are scurrying to the top. He almost trips up what he's over what he's trying to say. Look, I understand what he was trying to say, but Jeremy Pruitt is not Shakespeare. Jeremy Pruitt should probably refrain from mentioning literature or movies when referencing football because the bottom line is a lot of people on the Titanic died, and the people who lived jumped off the ship. And he's talking about people jumping off the ship. I want to know who's staying with Tennessee. We're going to find out who wants to be a Vol. That's not how the Titanic worked. The That's people who stayed died. Yeah, the people who stayed went down with the ship. So <laughs> yeah. you're pretty much saying, hey, players, stay with me. And we're going you, down you, You're staying on a stink, uh, sinking ship right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, he could have found a, a better uh, analogy, a better story to kind of go along with what, what point he was making about – staying strong through the adversity and, and sticking together as a football team, as a coaching staff, as a fan base, Whoa. but bad choice for him. I'm sure he regretted, regretted it a little bit as he was going. I'm sure that's why he was stumbling on his words. I'm sure he was, he started to talk and he's like, oh, damn, shit. this is not what I was thinking it was going to be when I was planning this this morning. Coach. He's a football yeah. coach. Just get up there and say, listen, guys, it's been a rough start to the season. We know it. We're going to take ownership for it. We're going to get better. We're going to go out there and win this football game. And then we're going to try to do everything we can uh, to beat Florida in two weeks. Yes. Plan, boom. Move on. Yep. You know, I, I don't think any kind of story is going to get people excited. People, they've watched the games. They've seen the the lack of effort at times, the lack of discipline from certain position groups, uh, the in, inability to make plays. You can't make excuses for it, own it, move on, and try to get better. No doubt. It seemed like that may have been the last straw for Paul Feinbaum. Hashtag Butler on Feinbaum. Tuesday show opens up. First call. Somebody from Charleston, South Carolina just laid into Paul Feinbaum and said, Buddy, you better admit your mistake because you have been proven wrong. And what you said about Aaron Murray last year is dead-ass wrong. And Paul went on there and said, You know what? You're right. This has nothing to do with where I went to school. I tried to make a statement, and I was wrong. So, Aaron, congratulations to you, my man. But now I want to welcome in an awesome guest, uh, third or fourth guest of Season 3 on Punt and Pass, and that, of course, is ESPN's Sean McDonough. So without further ado, let's welcome in Sean McDonough. All right, let's welcome in our guest on this week's episode of Punt and Pass, and it's the one, the only Sean McDonough from ESPN. Sean, you had a busy weekend last weekend calling that Clemson, Texas A&M game. And this weekend is a big one for you personally. Yes, you'll be on the call. Clemson takes on Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. But more importantly, you are the recipient of the George Aarons Award. And the George Aarons Award is Syracuse University's highest alumni honor presented annually to alumni who have made outstanding contributions to their chosen fields, and you have certainly made outstanding contributions to broadcasting, and you can add guest of Punt and Pass onto that list. So congratulations to you, my man, and thanks so much for your time. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. Yeah, I didn't think anything could you know, exceed in my excitement level the Aaron's Award and how honored and blessed I feel about that. But now being on this podcast, I think – this has become the highlight of the week, and uh, Absolutely. the Aaron's Award will be number two. But uh, <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's good to talk with you, and uh, really excited about what should be a great weekend there. You know, the the chance to do uh, the number one team in the country at my alma mater, knowing the the two great games they played the last two years, is very very exciting. And then I'm just blown away by the Aaron's Award. You know, in the university that I love so much there's 240,000 living alums around the world doing great things that, you know, this committee and the chancellor who picked me to win it, um, think of me in that way is, is really very humbling. So I got, so Sean, my, my actually family's from Syracuse, my whole dad's side. So I got a bunch of family up there. They're excited. I think majority of them are going to go to the game. Can I give them any hope? I know you look at the last two games they won two years ago, last year, Clemson had to win it on a fourth down from their backup quarterback. Does the Cuse, who just got smashed by Maryland last week, do they have any firepower to try to get some more magic three years in Rovers Clemson? 
I think they do. I mean, obviously, it's going to take a lot because you know not only have they struggled, you know, kind of surprisingly, even in the first game against Liberty, which Syracuse shut out Liberty. You know, the offense was clearly out of sync, and you know that was a concern for me heading into that Maryland game. And I think everybody thought the defense was going to be a strength of the team, and then to watch Maryland put 63 on them and 650 yards of offense was a little bit jarring to say the least. So, you know, there's still a lot of the same talent that was there. Uh, last year that won 10 games, won a bowl game, you know, gave Clemson all it could handle really easily could have won that game. And they led for most of it. We actually did that game last year down there. I just think Syracuse ran out of gas in the last minute. You know, Clemson kind of ran the ball down their throats on that 94 yard drive that won the game. So uh, I think there's hope because I do think Syracuse is better than it's played and they do have the recent history. Uh, but, you know, I think the recent history also has Clemson's attention too. Now they're kind of, tired of hearing about, you know, just like they were tired of hearing Texas A&M last week leading into that game, talking about they were going to go there and pull off the big upset. You know, they, they let their play do the talking. I think they're kind of sick of hearing about how they've struggled with Syracuse the last two years too. So it'll be interesting. I, I think there's a chance, but you know, I, I think Clemson's definitely the best team in the country and, and uh, it's a Syracuse team, obviously that's having some problems right now. Yeah, you saw Clemson last week. Uh, uh, last weekend, take on Texas A&M in Death Valley. Obviously, it was extremely hot, much hyped game, and Clemson just doing what Clemson does squashes their better opponents. You saw it last year in the national championship game and in the playoff against Notre Dame. A, a lot of people thought that with Jimbo Fisher at the helm and Kellen Mund and and Jay Sean Corbin, that A&M might be able to run with them. But they only had three points on the board, needed that late touchdown to cover. Is it just more of the same? Is Clemson on par with Alabama year in and year out as terms of recruits and terms of depth and talent? Dabo certainly seems like he has it going on. Yeah, I think they're on a par, maybe even a little bit ahead. You know, offensively, you know, we talked to Mike Elko, who's the defense coordinator at Texas AM. He said, you know, it was a historically great offensive unit. At Clemson, when you talk about a quarterback who's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft, barring something surprising happen when he's eligible in a couple of years, uh, he thought that they had four first-round uh, draft picks, if you include these two uh, true freshmen who look like the guys who preceded them, you know, four starters returning on the offensive line, and probably, uh, maybe at least, quite possibly, the best running back in the country. So, uh, you know, I think their talent level is uh, as good. I'd say on offense, better than everybody. And you know, I just think they're certainly there with Alabama, if not even a little ahead right now in terms of total talent. And it's a culture. You know, the teams talk about culture. We go every week, and a lot of these coaches about we're trying to establish a culture here, and a lot of times they never do. You know, at Clemson, it has been clearly established. I mean, they have Texas A&M's players talking openly about, you know, we're going to go in there and. Uh, pull off the big upset and a couple of them said well they're the clemson secondary is definitely a weakness that you know we can exploit not one peep from anybody at clemson about any of that you know they just looked straight ahead kept their mouth shut and wanted to let their play do the talking and they did so i really admire what they have going at clemson you know i think Dabo's done a, a phenomenal job establishing you know, not just excellence on the field but you know in the classroom in the community you know you very rarely hear about any of their guys getting out of line. You know, it's kind of a culture that polices itself. Well, and I, I love that. I mean, you look at teams and in, in the, in the fake energy almost, but you look at the elite teams and they don't need that. You never hear Alabama smack and smack talk and you don't hear it. Clemson, you don't hear Georgia, you don't hear LSU. It just seems like these other teams want to make a name for themselves. And they think they can do that by just talking to the media. So I, I'm, I, I love their culture. I think they're doing a great job. Sean, interesting comment from drew earlier, just before you jumped on, Drew thinks there is a legitimate chance that we could have three SEC teams in the college playoffs. Obviously, Alabama, if they win the West, they go on to win the SEC championship game. If that game versus LSU is tight and LSU kind of loses by, say, three points uh, in Tuscaloosa, and then if Georgia plays a tight one uh, in the SEC championship game and they're 12-0 heading into that game, can you see it? I'm all on the board for two. I think two really have a shot to get in, whether it's – Alabama LSU or Alabama Georgia uh what are your thoughts and is that good for college football to have so many SEC teams in the playoffs wow that's a very interesting conversation obviously uh 
when you put out the scenario that way, I guess it is possible. I'm not sure it would sit very well with a lot of college football fans around the rest of the country. And uh, I'm not sure that it really would be good for college football. But I do think, you know, having gone through the mock exercise, I went to Dallas last year uh, during the middle of a week in the football season and did the mock college football playoff exercise where you sit there with Bill Hancock and some of the other folks, and they actually take you through how they do the process week to week of ranking the teams and then ultimately picking the four at the end of the year. You know, and I, I do think they take very seriously the four best teams, regardless, you know, if they, they're just trying to identify the four best teams. So I think if they thought three of the four SEC teams, they would go ahead and do that and realize that they might take some heat from folks from other conferences. But, you know, I'd be very surprised if Clemson isn't one of them. I think, you know, ESPN, you know, formulas they use has them as something like an 84% chance right now to be one of the four teams, you know, given the, the talent of the team and the schedule I have left. I'd be very surprised if they're not one of them. So that means the other three would all be SEC teams. And, you know, I, I, I still like Oklahoma. You know, I think their defense is going to be better. I, I think the offense is going to be uh, very close to what it's been for these last many years, the last four years since Lincoln's been there. They've had the best offense in college football. If it's not that again this year, it's going to be really close. So, uh, you know, it's possible, and I think they would do it if they earnestly believed that three out of the four best teams were SEC teams. But, wow, that, that's going to get some reaction from around the rest of the country. And that's definitely what they want. I feel like a lot of people talking about the four that they're going to choose. You saw it last year with Georgia left on the outside looking in and um, Oklahoma sneaking in there. But you said it. I mean, it's the best four teams. It certainly seems like that's what they're going to have to do to keep the natives at bay instead of burning down the, the front office out there in Dallas where they make those decisions. But I feel like it always plays itself out. And if it's not broke, certainly don't try to fix it. Hey, changing gears. And, and again, going yeah, back I to the, just add one more thing, Drew, be, and sorry to interrupt you. No, Ohio please. State looks pretty darn good. Yes, here. They yeah, Ohio State too, looks, so. And Michigan you know, doesn't look very good right through now. The, uh, the big 10 and they're sitting there as an undefeated team. Or, uh, I, I think that would be, they better get included too. So, but there's a lot of, a lot of football to be played. Lots of football to be played. And again, I feel like it'll all play itself out, and I'm sure it'll bring up dramatic happenings throughout the 2019 season. And speaking of drama, Sean, you're a legendary broadcaster. You've seen a lot. You ha are known for some of your more legendary calls. And a lot of our listeners are Braves fans. A lot of our listeners are in the Southeast. They'll remember that you were on the call when Sid Bream slid into the plate to, to have the Braves win the 1992 NLCS. And then baseball fans, Joe Carter's 1993 World Series home run to end it and beat the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, those are amazing play calls. But maybe what you're most known for, and most recently, I'm sure you never get this question, but you were on the call when Michigan's punter botched the snap and Michigan State won that game, no time left, returning that fumble back to the end zone for a touchdown. You've seen a lot, you've done a lot, and you, you are very familiar with the SEC. Maybe give me one of the play calls that you love or remember the most that might not be talked about. Wow, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, and I've really been fortunate. You know, the... I guess when you're around long enough, you're going to wind up in the right place at the right time a few times. And I happened, you know, that Sid Bream thing was amazing. It was probably the first of my famous voice cracks. You know, uh, <laughs> I was so loud in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium that, you know, I couldn't even hear myself as he was crossing the plate or sliding into the plate. And uh, it was just one of the most amazing baseball games of all time. And, you know, it's just at the beginning, I thought, I remember our buddy, Billy Andrade, we were all golfers on this podcast. Uh, you know, Billy Andrade is one of my dear friends. And he and his, they live in Atlanta. He and Jody, uh, they were in the back of the booth. And I remember taking the headset off and I said to them, oh, my gosh, I just you know, botched the biggest call of my life. My, my, you know, that might be the biggest player I ever called. My voice cracked like a 12-year-old. <laughs> And then I got down to the truck and everybody was high-fiving me about that was the most amazing call. And that really you know, was perfect for the moment and blah, blah, blah. So I guess sometimes when you think you bought something, maybe you really didn't. And, uh, you know, I just think that's sort of what broadcast should be. You know, it's an amazing moment like that. Your call should hopefully match it. So, uh, you know, so when I similarly failed to reach puberty at the Michigan-Michigan State game, <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't care. It was just kind of, you know, I thought it was fun. And, you know, it, I hopefully it helped people 
uh, remember the moment. I have Michigan State people walk up to me in airports and say, you know, I have that on my, my you know, phone uh, voicemail message. And I have Michigan people walk up to me like, you were a part of one of the worst moments of my life. Or, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's fun. And, uh, you know, as usual, it's the punter messing the whole thing up at the end of the game. As yeah, so well, often you know. happens, but. The, uh, but to answer your question in a very, very long-winded way, you know, I think one of the ones that uh, gets remembered in SEC territory, and particularly by Tennessee fans, was when Clint Sterner was the, the quarterback for Arkansas. And, you know, Tennessee was looking uh, an undefeated season, and it looked like Arkansas was going to beat him. And Sterner just, uh, you know, he kind of fumbled, stumbled coming away from center and then fumbled the ball when he kind of tried to put it down on the ground to stay uh, on his feet. And he said something about he stumbled and fumbled and Tennessee recovers and all the time and say they appreciated uh, that one. So you just hope that what you say matches the moment. And uh, one of the things I love about this is that you don't, you know, you don't get to do it over again. It's like you guys, when you played, you know, you don't get to throw the pass over. You don't get to punt over. again. Uh, we don't get to hit the edit button and say it over again. So kind of what makes it fun, the, the immediacy of it. No doubt, Sean, and, and obviously your resume speaks for itself, and um, you are getting awarded this weekend, as so deservedly so, with the George Aarons Award at Syracuse University, and we'll all be tuned in to watch you call that game, Clemson at Syracuse, this Saturday night on ABC, so we just want to say congratulations one more time, and thank you very much for spending a couple of minutes with us on a Wednesday morning. Well, my pleasure, guys. Really a treat. Always a treat to with you guys. And uh, I know uh, Drew probably told you that he carried us to victory at my member guest here in our flight this summer at Boston Golf Club. So uh, He know, better have. I mean, Drew's been playing since he was in diapers. have to carry this podcast most yeah. of the time. So <laughs> there you go. Pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks so much, Sean. Have a great weekend. Huge thanks to Sean McDonough for joining us on this week's episode of Punt and Pass. Sean's a great friend. Just a legendary broadcaster, Aaron. I know he called some of our games. Look, he was on Monday Night Football. He's done college basketball. He's done Major League Baseball. This guy has literally done everything. He is the jack of all trades and uh, just an awesome guy to boot. So appreciate him joining us, and um, I'm sure that he will have a great time this weekend in Syracuse. Speaking of that Clemson-Syracuse game, let's get to our week three picks. Speaking of picks, punt, pass, and pick presented by Prize Picks. Hey, you had an awesome 4-0 week last week. We are both 12-3 and against the spread through two weeks of college football. That is outstanding and even more outstanding. The bonus Aaron Murray lock of the century, lock of the week is 3-0. 3-0, and so I need to know what you're going to pick and who you're going to go with for your fourth lock of the week in the 2019 season. And let's start with what we just talked about. It's number one Clemson going to the Carrier Dome to take on Syracuse. Clemson is a 28-point favorite. The over-under is 62.5. This game is at 7.30 p.m. on ABC with our boy Sean McDonough on the call. Syracuse got their asses kicked last week versus Maryland. They've played Clemson great two years in a row. They beat them in the Carrier Dome two years ago. Clemson squeaked a victory out in Death Valley last year. What happens this year? Uh, I, I, there's no way they squeak it out. I mean, just watching them last week versus Maryland, it was not good football. Maryland went up and down the field, spread them out, and you look at or you look at Clemson and their ability at the receiving position to spread teams out, and 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 I think they're sick of this this little pesque. You know, the Syracuse team that, that beat them two years ago yeah. that had a chance to beat them last year. I, I don't think they're sleeping on this football game right now. Syracuse will come out with some energy. They will come out and play hard. I just think at the end of the day, just like what happened last weekend versus A&M, Clemson's just too deep. They're too talented. Uh, they're too determined once again this year. And and their quarterback uh, is absolutely tremendous in Trevor Lawrence. So uh, talent-wise, it just doesn't match up. And I think Syracuse is just not as good as they were uh, as we've seen these these past two years. So I like Clemson in the game. Um, and I like it with the, the points, too. They'll lay the points. I just, I, I, like I said, I think there's a maximum focus of enough's enough. We've let this team hang around way too much these past two seasons. We are better. We know we're better. We're playing at an elite level right now. Our defense, even though they had a rebuild, is just as good or even are pretty close to as good as they were last season of what we've seen these first two weeks of the football season. So I like Clemson. I like him with the points. 
I think so, too. I mean, look, Clemson's trying to make a statement here. You just mentioned it. This spat that they've had with Syracuse over the past two years is probably growing old with the Tigers. Dino Babers is a great big game coach. I am bummed that they lost so convincingly last week against Maryland, giving up 63 points. This game could have had a lot more energy around it. There is no top 25 matchup this week, but they could have had a top 25 matchup if Syracuse took care of business. I just don't see Clemson not covering here. I'm going to lay the points as well. Clemson is a four-touchdown favorite. They will probably let this one get out of hand. It's a night game. It's in the Carrier Dome. But with that many glaring holes in the Syracuse defense, you just think Clemson's explosive, deep, talented offense is going to be able to take care of business. So we're on the same side here. Clemson giving 28 points, and you just heard me say it, no top 25 matchups in Week 3. Bit of a bummer, but let's go to the number 2 team in the nation. That, of course, is Alabama. They head to Columbia, South Carolina, to take on the Gamecocks. Bama's a 25.5-point favorite. The over-under is set at 60. We finally have the SEC on CBS back. This game is at 3.30 p.m., and if you remember back in 2010, Alabama, ranked number one, went to Columbia and dropped the game. Could that happen again this year? Aaron Murray with Ryan Holinsky starting his second game ever for the game. No, I I just don't think I like Holinsky, you know, watching him from last week. But it was it was a very simple game plan for him. It was hitches. It was slants. He did have a nice post route uh, that he completed on the field for a touchdown. But I just think this Alabama defense is like licking their chops right now. They're ready to. Uh, smack talk their way into a victory. And I think a dominant victory is that as well. So uh, the, the good thing is it's at South Carolina. We know how tough it is to play there. The fans will be rowdy. Oh, They'll be a million degrees. Yeah, it will be hot, 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 hot. But uh, same thing as Clemson. I think Alabama, there's just, there's too much talent at the receiving position. It, it just, it's very tough for defenses uh, to cover. It, you just don't have enough good DBs. You don't have enough, you don't have a good, good enough nickel to handle whoever they put in the slot. So I think matchup wise, Alabama is a huge favorite here in this football game. And I think defensively, Holinsky did a great job last week. He did have the one interception where he was, uh, he felt some pressure. He threw it up and it was kind of a uh, unnecessary throw. He said, just eating the ball or throwing it away. I think he makes a couple mistakes in this game. Alabama is going to turn the heat up, show him some stuff that he's not used to within the blitz package. So I like Alabama. Uh, And I like Alabama laying the points here. Yeah, lay the points, 25 and a half. You just have to go with Saban's defense against a true freshman making his second start ever. But you just mentioned it. I mean, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, they have so much firepower on the offensive side of the ball. Good luck, Coach Muschamp. And good luck, Thomas Brown and Brian McClendon on the offensive side of the ball. Two great Georgia dogs. It's just not going to happen this weekend. Alabama's far too good, and the only thing that could hinder them not covering is heat exhaustion and IV bags needing to be placed in three of their first-round wide receiver picks, which probably is not going to happen. So I will lay the 25-and-a-half as well. Alabama rolls over South Carolina. Just too much depth and talent against too much inexperience. I think that is the storyline here. Number three team in the nation will be at home. That, of course, is the Georgia Bulldogs. They host Arkansas State. Georgia is a 33.5-point favorite. The over-under is set at 58 points. This game is at noon on ESPN2. Just a lot of storyline here, or a big storyline here, is Arkansas State's head coach who just tragically lost his wife to breast cancer Mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks before the season started. I've seen some things on social media urging Georgia fans to wear pink in solidarity with Arkansas State's head coach, which I think would be a very cool gesture that Bulldog Nation could show the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. But uh, when it comes to in between the painted lines, Georgia should be able to take care of business, probably going to look for a much faster start than they had against Murray State last week. They, of course, were only at 14-7 to after the first quarter they open it up with a 35 point second quarter but I would assume Georgia puts this one to rest early everybody gets to play and uh, they walk in to that Notre Dame game next weekend three and oh with three convincing victories yeah I think they win this football game I just don't think I like Arkansas State with the points this is Arkansas yeah I do I I actually covered them last year in a game and and they could actually move the ball pretty well offensively Uh, Bonner their quarterback six touchdowns one pick they have some pretty legit receivers. I'm not going to lie. Bayless on the outside, bowling, Adams, Merritt, 
so they have skill. I'm not going to say they're going to march up and down the field, but I think enough skill to get first downs and not continue to give Georgia good field position where they have the ball yeah. at their 40 or 50 yard line where you can score in bunches and you can score fast. I think they will be able to get a first down here, first down there, punt the football, make Georgia have to actually work to score, uh, make the make them drive 70, 80 yards. So I don't think they're going to boom, 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 as much as many people might think. This is not a bad Arkansas State football team. Um, Georgia will win. But yeah, let's I just like get our, that straight to yeah, so all of Georgia, our novice punt and yes. pass listeners. Murray thinks Georgia will win Georgia by 32 points. Georgia will win points, this. Yeah, Georgia or maybe 33 will win points. This, <laughs> yeah, but – and then like you said, they're going to put their backups in at the end of the game, and I think that's when Arkansas can get – just like Alabama last week. Yeah. Put their backups in, and they didn't cover their outrageous spread. I mean, it was 54 points, but they were covering it. They put their backups in, and whoever they're playing ended up getting a couple or a late touchdown, uh, and Alabama did not – uh, cover the spread there. So I think this is a similar thing where Georgia put their backups in late third quarter, early fourth, Arkansas state steals a touchdown okay. uh, to cover the spread. So I like Arkansas state with the points, but Georgia, Georgia, the university of Georgia bulldogs for all those listening <laughs> will win the football game. Thank you for the clarification there, Aaron. I'm actually going to lay the points here. I like Georgia. I think this is one of those weeks, week three snoozer in terms of scheduling but the big dogs need to cover win convincingly i'll lay the 33 and a half points here i think georgia gets out to a big lead uh and then in the second half i'll take georgia's backups for even three deep against arkansas state i really will it's going to be hot uh, it'll be loud obviously students will be able to leave and go hit downtown athens around the third quarter and um, kirby probably won't bitch and complain about it like coach saban does saying all fans need to sit in the stands for all 60 minutes regardless of heat regardless of other options on a saturday afternoon sorry for my quick little rant i'll lay the points here georgia wins convincingly probably wins by 42 points 52 to 10 65 to 20 something like that georgia's going to put them up and they will cover so we are on opposite sides there one of the better games of the week that i think just based off what happened last year aaron and it took a bit of a hit in terms of expectation because quarterback terry wilson has been lost for the season is number nine florida going to lexington to take on the kentucky wildcats florida's an eight point favorite the over under is 50 and a half points this game is at 7 p.m on espn should be a pretty live atmosphere inside commonwealth stadium kroger field there for the kentucky wildcats my boy Cavassier Smoke with the best name in college football, but they're going to miss Terry Wilson here. Do I even have to ask if you're going to pick Florida to cover? Uh, Florida will cover. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm going Kentucky. Just give me the eight uh, points yeah, just to go points. against you. I know. Sawyer, Sawyer Smith is not Terry Wilson, um, and I think this defense right now and Grantham, the way they're playing, uh, the same thing as Alabama going against a freshman quarterback. They are licking their chops right now. He's going to see some stuff that he's never seen when it comes to the, the blitz package as well for this Florida defense. So I like Florida. Um, it'll be a good game. I think this is the best SEC game of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Florida wins by 10 points. So I don't think they're going to go out there and blow them out. It is on the road. I just hope once again that Felipe Franks just shuts his mouth and plays football. Uh, but I, I like Florida, and, and, and they'll lay the points. Tell me this, though. Do you think an offensive coordinator like Eddie Grand can situate his quarterback, no matter how inexperienced he may be, to handle and counterattack Grantham's overly aggressive defense? No, yes and no, but still you haven't seen it. So as a quarterback, you know you could practice all you want during the week, but if, if you've not seen those live bullets – in this, those situations, you really don't know, one, how to react sometimes and where to go with the football. And two, as a coach, you don't know how your guy is going to react. So yeah. in the back of your mind, you're saying, OK, I want to call this, this and this and this. But I really don't know if you can handle it. It's hard to say you can handle something based on practice reps when you're going against a scout team who's going half speed. Now you're going against one of the best defenses in the SEC full speed against some of these blitzes. You don't know what your quarterback's going to do. If he's going to retreat, if he's going to throw the ball up, if he's going to just crumble in the pocket. So I think there's a lot of unknowns right now for this Kentucky offense and, and their quarterback Sawyer Smith. I'm not saying he's going to crumble. I'm just, I have more confidence right now in Florida's experience defense, Florida's speed at, at all three levels. That defensive line is just a, a monster right now. Uh, I think this team gets a couple turnovers, uh, and I, th I do think Felipe Franks 
continues to progress in this offense. All right. Well, I think Kentucky gets their second win in a row after snapping a 31-year losing streak, I believe it was, last year in the Swamp. Cash Daniels is going to have that defense fired up. I'll go with Kentucky to lose, but cover. Give me the eight points. Florida's offense continues to struggle. Turnovers on the road and not as explosive as some may think. How about the game game day is going to? I like it. Number 19, Iowa heading to Ames to take on Iowa State. Obviously a huge interstate rivalry here. Iowa is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Here could be your lock of the week. Over under 44 and a half points. This game is on Fox Sports 1 at 4 p.m. And Iowa sneaky looking pretty decent through two weeks. Another team that's really under the radar probably due to who they have played. Wisconsin in the Big Ten looking pretty good. But Iowa State, I mean, they're 2-0. and or excuse me, one to no, right, Aaron? They've only played one game. Yeah, they've only played one. Week. Yeah, they um, looked ugly in that one win. They did too. look ugly. So they're taking. They beat Northern Iowa in double overtime. Now they're taking on Iowa. Their two biggest interstate rivalries. What happens here? Uh, are the Hawkeyes going to go on the road and get a huge rivalry win? Oh yeah, they will. Nate Stanley, quarterback. I like him a lot. Okay. Big, strong arm. Uh, they run the ball well. They got some good guys on the outside. Defensively, they're playing well right now. I just. It doesn't give me confidence that the way Ohio State won their first game uh, of the football season against a, a way lesser opponent. I just think the Ohio the Ohio team is is Iowa is Iowa team is very complete on both sides of the football. And if you have a quarterback that understands how to take care of it, he understands the system, a high completion percentage, can keep your team on the football field. You're going to give yourself a chance to win on the road. So. I like Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Um, what was it? It's a two points, two yeah, and a half. Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, give, give me that. I, I like it. They'll lay the points. Yeah, I'm going to go with Iowa State here. I mean, look, Ames is a tough place to play. Game day atmosphere, 4 p.m. kick. They're going to be turned. If you know anything about Iowa or the state of Iowa or this rivalry, the students will not be sober. The atmosphere will be lit, as the kids like to say. And I think Coach Matt Campbell can have these boys ready to win to kind of put their season back on track. Brock Purdy's a great quarterback as well, Aaron. You mentioned Mm -hmm. Nate Stanley for the Hawkeyes. I'll go with Iowa State. Give me the home dog here, getting two and a half points. This will be a great game, probably one you're going to want to turn to after Alabama's up by 30 in the second quarter on CBS. Head over to Fox Sports 1 and watch this because there's always close battles in this game. There's always some fireworks if you want to consider a 14-13 to victory fireworks. But I think Iowa State wins, so give me the points here. Iowa falls but still is undefeated in the Big Ten and probably has a chance to win the Big Ten West at the end of the season. Three more games here, Aaron. I just want to talk about them quickly. I want your pick. I still have not heard your lock of the week yet. I'm waiting with bated breath. I think everybody is. Stanford traveling east to take on number 17, Central Florida. Okay, they get K.J. Costello back, but they lose their starting left tackle, who was a projected first-round pick. Stanford did. This is in the bounce house. Central Florida is a seven and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty one and a half. Quick take. So, so this is this is my lock of the week. Take Stanford with the points on this one. Oh wow! I think Stanford wins this football game. I just I'm not in love with any of the quarterbacks for UCF. Uh, There's a good Stanford team, and and I think the biggest thing is UCF's not sneaking up on anyone. You know they they are a good team. They've made a lot of national headlines these past couple of years. So I don't think Stanford's traveling to the East Coast saying, oh, we're playing some UCF team from a group of five conference. They're like, okay, we got to wake our asses up because we may be one and two in these first three games. So I think they wake up. I think the defense wakes up. I think it's encouraging to know that KJ Costello is back as your quarterback. Uh, And like I said, I just, uh, what I've seen from the quarterbacks for UCF, these first two games going against a a stingy defense and and Stanford, I know they didn't have their best day. Uh, last week versus a, a very talented U- USC team with a lot of good talent at the receiving position. So I like Stanford. I like Stanford to win this football game. So wow. that is my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Stanford travels east as a seven and a half point dog and gets the outright victory. Look, you just sold me. I am on the same side as you. Lock of the week, Stanford, plus seven and a half in Orlando to take on Central Florida. A game that I think could be interesting, Florida State travels to Charlottesville to take on number 25, Virginia. How about this? Virginia, a seven and a half point favorite at home. Over-under is set at 57 points. Can Florida State knock off a top 25 team and maybe cool down Willie Taggart's hot seat? I think that the, what you need to do is, if you want to get a true lock, is whatever the spread is for Florida State in the second half, 
take it for the nice. other team. I yes. mean, just I mean, literally, it's, it's, it's it it literally is two different teams. You know, you see this team come out hot. Blackman's thrown all over. Cam Cam Akers is playing well. Defense is playing well. Then all of a sudden, whatever goes on at halftime, they come out there and they're flat. They're tired. They're giving up big plays. It's happened two weeks in a row. So. I just you, you keep saying okay they're gonna figure it out they're too good they have too much talent they've shown they have too much talent but I, they just don't know how to finish games. Uh, I like Bryce Perkins a lot the quarterback for Virginia. Uh, he's a dual threat kind of guy. Um, I think they'll give him some some fits for this this FSU team. I think there's a lot of hype surrounding Virginia right now. It is in Virginia this football game and right now Florida State just has not proven to me that they are winners that they know how to go out there and win a football game. So. Um, I like Virginia to win, but You'll take the points here. Huh? I'll take the points. I think they win by seven points. I think Florida State could put up some. I think Florida State could hang with them when it comes to going up and down the field score. Yeah, night game in Charlottesville. This is at 7.30 p.m. And you know what? I'm going to lay the points. I think Virginia gets a convincing victory here. I like the combination of Bryce Perkins and head coach Bronco Mendenhall. Look, when you've got an experienced, good leader at quarterback and a head coach who's been around – I think that that pairs well with a team that cannot play in the second half, as you just mentioned. Virginia wins here going away. Florida State continues their absolute dumpster fire of a 2019 season. Last game, Aaron, then we'll put a bow on this. Number 24, USC, who's back in the top 25 after beating Stanford, goes up to Provo to take on BYU. USC is a five-point favorite. The over-under is 55.5 points, and I am circling this game because I think they might lose to the Cougars in Provo. No, I mean, listen, I like Zach Wilson, quarterback for BYU. That was an awesome win they had last week versus Tennessee, but they should have lost that game. I mean, Tennessee, the cornerback, an absolute um, questionable decision of what he was trying to guard out there on the football field. So BYU should have been 0-2 heading into this football game. And and I do think USC defensively has looked really good these first two weeks. Uh, the freshman quarterback surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I, I was not counting on them winning that game for Stanford. He went out there, balled out. Uh, and I think they just have too much skill. You look at their receivers and, and they're pretty darn talented. They're deep. They're able to catch a hitch, a slant, which all they, that's all they threw last week, make a guy miss in the open field and turn into a big play. I just don't think BYU offensively has enough firepower. They have shown nothing to me in these first two weeks to say that they can go at toe to toe with a team like USC that has a lot of talent. So I like USC and I like them with the points that so I'm going to lay it. All right. I'm going to take the points here. I think this will be a really good game, a close game up in Provo. So watch out for USC. They should be on upset alert as they head up to take on the Cougars. That's week three. I mean, I hope something cool happens. I hope something good happens because otherwise it could be a bit of a snoozer on Saturday. But to kick things off, Thursday night, you got NFL football, and that's where our boys at Prize Picks come in. Aaron, you have to go to myprizepicks.com or download the Prize Picks app. Use the promo code PNP. That's the letter P, the letter N, the letter P. They give you a free two-pick entry to win $25. That's free money. Hello. And then they will match your first deposit 25%. So if you deposit 1000 bucks, you get free $250 in promo money. The Thursday night NFL game, Aaron, is your Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Carolina Panthers. And all you have to do is pick oh, over, under on fantasy projections. I had somebody ask me, well, if you guys are giving away picks on the podcast, how can anybody win? Because everybody's just going to pick what you pick. Guys, you don't play against anybody. You play against the projections. That's why this is Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're not playing against pros. If you pick two correct projections over, under, you win. It's that simple. That's why we're giving away free money with Prize Picks. Download the app Prize Picks. Go to myprizepicks.com. Use the promo code PNP for free money. Speaking of the projections, Jameis Winston, okay, had a bad week one. He's projected at 18.8 fantasy points against that Panthers defense. Cam Newton needs to be better as well. He's projected at 20 and a half points. Aaron, you're the quarterback. Who's going to score more or less than their fantasy point projections? Give it to me one more time. What are the two points? Jameis Winston projected 18.8 fantasy points, kind of low for a quarterback, and Cam yeah. Newton 20 and a half points. 
I think I, I like Jameis with a bounce back game. Okay. Um, not Quick a great week. week one at all. Yeah, he had a rough week last week. Couple, I think two or three picks. Um, I like Bruce Arians knows how to get a quarterback's mind right. So I think he goes out there uh, and and gets the and, and writes the ship a little bit and has a a better day and gets like twenty points. Not a lot okay. more, but a little bit more. And then Cam Newton, 20 and a half points projected against that Tampa Bay defense. Give me more, too. I think he may get a little rushing touchdown. And Christian McCaffrey, you just get him the ball in space. That's free yards right there. So you throw a little swing pass. He gets you 25. Boom. I think he racks up some more points that way as well. So I like both quarterbacks. You know, in in those games, Thursday night games, it's tough for defenses to get riled up again with such a short break. So I like both quarterbacks have a better football game. You just mentioned Christian McCaffrey. He's projected at 29.1 points. I mean, he is a stud. He was a top five pick in most fantasy drafts, 29.1 fantasy points. This game is in Carolina over or under 29.1 points. Uh, give me over. I mean, he had like 40 something last week. He's, he's a catching machine, man. That just racks up points right there. He is, he is such a tough, we always talk about tight ends and their ability to go one-on-one with linebackers and safeties. If you can have a running back and that just, it just kills a defense. Cause they're like, okay, For we have sure. to double or we have to put a, a decent cover guy safety on a running back. Like, are you kidding me? Like we need to put him on a, a safety or a, a slot receiver or a tight end. So it's just, it's, it's, I don't know how you game plan against a guy like that. And if you want to put him one-on-one with a linebacker, he will eat them alive all day long. So I just think his catching ability uh, it just allows him to rack up those fantasy points. Yeah, speaking of uh, catching ability, I'm going to go over on Mike Evans as well, Tampa Bay's wide receiver. He's projected at 16.4 fantasy points on prize picks. I'm going over. I think this could be a shootout on a Thursday night. So we're over Jameis Winston, 18.8 points. Over Cam Newton, 20.5 points. Over Mike Evans, 16.4 points. And over Christian McCaffrey, 29.1 points. Download the Prize Picks app or go to myprizepicks.com and use the promo code PNP to get a free two-pick entry to win 25 bucks and a 25% deposit match. Aaron, that's it, my man. Week three coming at us this weekend. Anything on the way out? No, just getting ready, man. Excited. I got a good one this week. A uh, little, uh, little Maryland at Temple. You know, two good football teams, two good offenses. So I'll have my popcorn out, ready to enjoy some fun, uh, some fun football. Yes, sir. Thank you big time to Sean McDonough for joining us this week. And congratulations to him again for receiving the George Aarons Award at Syracuse this weekend. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Punt and Pass. Follow Prize Picks as well at Prize Picks. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11, and I am at Drew Butler 13. Have an awesome weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. See you.